the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya. Please subscribe. We'd love to have you listen every day. You know I'm a big school choice advocate, and it's happening. It's happening. A lot of states are designing programs that give parental choice to a lot of families as to how to spend tax dollars on their own kids' individual needs, educational needs. But there are some bumps along the way, and this is a growing issue. It's been in the works for decades, but it's just now starting to kind of bloom, if you will. But more is to come. Is this a revolution about to explode? Our next guest believes that it is. Her name is Nicole Garnett. She's with the Manhattan Institute, and she's also edited a book called The Case for Parental Choice, a collection of essays by John E. Coons, which Nicole and her husband helped edit. Fascinating information. What's the difference between a voucher and an ESA, which is an education savings account? How are different states approaching parental rights, parental choice in education? Good stuff coming up with Nicole. Stick around. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Nicole, welcome. Glad to have you. School choice, those two words, you put them together and it draws the ire of some, particularly the teachers unions, some teachers, administrators, they take offense to the idea of public, I'm talking about public school teachers, to the offense that there could be an alternative that might suit families better. How, what is your overarching view of the school choice movement in America? Well, first of all, I would say that uh, for those who say that school choice is uh, something that is, I don't know, bad, or it's always important to remember that um, people have exercised school choice in our uh, culture and in our country forever. They they just, those that have means to exercise it, have long exercised it, typically by moving to the suburbs uh, with high quality public schools or maybe paying tuition. So right now, um, there's a lot of school choice in the United States. It's not just about private schools. There are charter schools. There's public school choice. And you know, most Americans say that they moved to their neighborhood because they wanted their kids to go to the neighborhood public school. So they are choosing. It's really historically just been the people without means that are unable to exercise and are able to choose schools. So that, that would be a framing remark to those who say school choice is bad. We have a lot of it. I think that the biggest debate right now is about what people might call private school choice. 
And that's a question of whether parents ought to be able to use some of the public funds allocated for their children's education to go to a private school or more recently through education savings accounts to use that money to customize their kids' education um, by buying and, uh, different you know, educational components and put together a, a unique package that serves the child's needs well. Um, to those who oppose that, I would just say, you know, that education, public education should be about educating the public, not about buildings or systems or adults. Mm. And so these these devices, these school choice devices, or more broadly, I think even today, parental choice devices um, are enabling people to empowering parents to take control of the kids' education. And if public education is about an educated public, that is the best policy. I couldn't agree more. Let's get to something you said earlier. It's been a question of means. People with means can move to the suburbs. People with means can put their kids in in private schools, et cetera. And so that leaves what we would call maybe the inner city. I know where I reside and the Minneapolis schools have long been controlled uh, by uh, a particular side of of the political aisle and the the dis the disparate you know outcomes for the kids in those schools and the kids in the suburban schools is stunning and shocking and hasn't changed if anything it continues to get worse so why if we've got state funding and we've got local funding and we've got even federal funding why would an inner city school be so much less effective than a suburban school well i i suppose there are lots of uh reasons, right? So I saw there's been an expose on the New York City public schools, which are now spending close to $37,000 a child with terrible results. Um, And it's shocking, right? So you think about um, the Archdiocese of New York just closed 12 inner city Catholic schools. The average tuition in those schools was less than $7,000. And yet we still have the the schools that are educating the same kids that are doing so much better at the fraction of the cost. So um, what is going on in in the individual schools? Um, I think part of it is unfortunately sort of institutional cultural problems that make it impossible um, to get the money to the teachers, many teachers trying very hard to serve these kids well. The money, the $37,000 a kid is not going to the classroom in those buildings. We've got bureaucratic bloat. I'm a public school kid. I went to public schools and they served me well. I do not fault in the teachers in many of these classrooms. They are probably trying very hard to serve the kids that, that are before them well. But the the system is not really set up about, it's not about the kids anymore. It's really about the adults in the room. And we need to turn that on its head and remind, remember that that $37,000, let's just give every, can imagine divide it by four and give it to four families to find an education that serves their children better. Yeah. Um, that would be a better way to educate the public. And particularly, as you point out, those who are not being well served um, by traditional public schools, often urban public schools, but other, you know, I have four kids, they're all very different. So they don't have unique educational needs and parents know better than bureaucrats uh, what their kids need in order to thrive and learn. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. My mom was a public school teacher. I was a public school kid. Uh, We chose differently for our kids because we saw things happening on the public school level that we didn't, that didn't encourage us to, to, to do that. But 
Um, certainly there are problems everywhere. I've also heard parents, you know, when things were starting to change in Arizona, let's take that state for an example, which I know you know a lot about, and they wanted to give parents this amount of money. I think it's $7,000 per student to follow the child. I, I have friends in Arizona who complained that this was all about rich parents and ha- helping rich parents educate their private school kids. And it didn't, it didn't help the, the parents with less means. Um, what, you know, again, I, I just, I, I think that every family is individual. I think that generalizing like that was probably a, a little too simplistic. Um, what really happened in Arizona that we can be encouraged by? Well, so Arizona was the first state to have a universal parental choice program in the Arizona, as you say, $7,000. It's not limited to private school tuition. Um, you can use it for a wide variety of educational expenses. Um, and it goes to everybody. It's not means tested. So it was the first before Arizona, all school private school choice programs as opposed to charter schools, which were universal, and public schools, which were universal, they were limited in in different ways, usually means testing, some limited to kids with disabilities. Arizona said, no, the parents, all parents should be entitled to make this decision. Rich parents, yes, and poor parents. So it's not that the program was discriminating against or excluding, it's recognizing the primacy of the parent, regardless of income. So if you're a parent um, in Arizona, and you don't have the means to send your kid to a private school or to to purchase to send them to junior college to take calculus in high school. Um, this seven thousand dollars goes to you. It's it's not subsidizing the rich. It's really just empowering all parents. It's it's a different model of parental choice than has been the and it seems to be the model that is being. There's now six states with universal parental choice. Many of those programs do prioritize low and middle income families over high income families if there's a scarcity of dollars. Uh, but I think that the idea is that all parents should be able to direct the upbringing of their children, um, and part of that deal should be that they can use the money that the state has allocated for their children's education at a school other than the public school down the street. Um, So it's not, we're not privileging rich people. We're saying everybody is entitled to do this because it's a core parental rights issue. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. That it is. Um, You write in this paper, Unlocking the Potential of Private School Choice, Avoiding and Overcoming Obstacles to Successful Implementation. It's, It's just it's a it's a deep topic. It's vast. But you you wrote, um, thanks in part 
to the backlash against public schools resistance to resuming in-person instruction during COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic. 2021 was the most successful year in private school choice history with more than two dozen states enacting or expanding choice programs and several states, including Indiana, Ohio, and Wisconsin, opening participation in school voucher programs to a large proportion of K through 12 students. We're in 2023 now. How does all of that stand as of today? I guess it depends on how you count. Um, there haven't been 20 plus programs enacted, but there have been 2023. So this year, four states have adopted universal education savings account programs. And I think so in, in contrast to these other previous generations of programs, more modest voucher programs, targeted populations, um, these it is, uh, you mentioned the money following the child. It, it really is for the first time in American history, these six states, now six states have said, the money really will follow the child. And instead of, it's not, it's not even private school choice anymore, it's parental choice broadly. So if I have a, a child with a developmental disability, I can use it for therapy, I can provide, uh, if I wanna homeschool, I can buy a curriculum. If I want to go, if I want my child to go to a private school part of the day and to the junior college the rest of the day, I can I can use the money in that way. So it's really allowing parents to customize their kids' education, um, and that I think is a it's revolutionary. And you know, if you look at states with these education savings accounts, Arizona has had more modest ones for a while. Florida has had one for a while. What you're what you're seeing is just parents' creativity being unleashed, parents getting together to form learning pods, to hire a teacher, a micro-schooling model, um, parents be, with kids with disabilities being able to exit the, you know, the special education bureaucracy that might not be serving their kids uh, well and really invest uh, the dollars as it best suits the kids. So I think we're at the beginning of a revolution um, I've been a proponent of school vouchers and private school choice for many, many, many years. And uh, what we're seeing now is different in kind and different in scale than anything we've ever seen in, a, in, a, in the U.S. educational history. So things are going to change and they're going to change fast. Uh, that's really an intriguing teaser here. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the differences. Let's let's get to some basics here for people who don't know the differences between vouchers, ESAs, and, and the different kinds of of money following the student. That's right after this. Great. I'm always flattered when people ask about my skincare and I've got one simple answer for them when they ask, and that's Genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L. It is a unique brand of skincare products. They are antioxidant-based skincare company and it's made and manufactured right here in the United States. Bravo. Formulated by a pharmacist with quality ingredients, their products will smooth out lines and fine wrinkles and, and prevent new ones from coming. One of my favorites of the, the product line is the Deep Firming Serum with stem cell technology. I just put it on a few drops right after I've cleansed my face, do it a couple times a day, and your skin immediately just feels firmer and fresher and a little more plump. It's it's fabulous. And right now you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package just in time for this warm spring weather that 
I hope is coming, featuring Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative. It's safe on your skin in the summer months. And Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots that we get from those long summer days outside. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's Classic Under Eye Bags Therapy for those annoying under eye bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed, guaranteed, or your money back. What are you waiting for? Don't wait. Visit genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle with one L to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. Mm, curious yet? Two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Don't forget one L. Nicole, we've heard you talk about ESAs, education savings accounts. I've heard of these uh, in terms of HSAs, health savings accounts. What what are ESAs and how are they different from school vouchers? Oh, so school, school vouchers are scholarships. So Indiana has a one of the largest school voucher programs in the United States. My youngest, I have four, but there's only one left at home. Um, the youngest goes to a Catholic grade school. Uh, I would say about a third of the kids get a scholarship from the state of Indiana to go to St. Joe grade school in South Bend, Indiana. It's a means tested program that goes to low and um, moderate income kids. So kid shows up, the state says, state says, you know, my research assistant, Jorge's daughter goes to the same grade school as my kid. So his daughter shows up, the state finds out, they send a, you know, a scholarship for Jorge's daughter. That's a voucher. It's a scholarship. ESAs are different. They, um, they tell parents, uh, here is the money or a percentage of the money that has been allocated for your child's education. Usually around 90% of the state per pupil share. So in Arizona, it's $7,000 in Florida, it's in Utah, it's $8,000. In Florida, it's about $7,500. It says, and this is a, a list of approved things that you can spend it on. It, private school tuition um, is one of them, but it, a whole host of other things. Curriculum, testing, uh, therapy, educational therapies, um, uh, the ability to go to junior college. Um, you can ask if the state, if the school will take you, you can go half of the, the day to the Catholic school and homeschool the other half of the day. So it really is allowing parents to customize. As I mentioned before, parents in these states are now banding together and forming small schools, micro schools, learning pods. Um, so there, it really allows it's it's taking the the choice away from the just have the choice is no longer just to send your kid to a school, which I've always been a supporter of private school choice, but this is saying we think that school, even the bricks and mortar schools available in your state may not be the right option for your child. So right. parent, you decide what's best. And um, I think there's going to be some, let's see, some hiccups along the way as these things get implemented because they are quite complex. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's moving away from school choice into complete a complete world of parent choice. Well, 
I think a lot of parents will be thrilled to hear that. A lot of teachers we have seen, and teachers unions in particular, think they know better because they have, you know, a background in education or a doctoral degree in education or whatever they want to claim. But in fact, they don't know each individual student the way the parents do. You have said this is going to be a revolution, that things are going to move quickly here. How do you see it happening? What 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 are the next dominoes to fall? Because right now, I mean, there's... Even though this is happening and we are seeing it, it's still a small percentage of school kids in the United States who have exercised this this right or who are, have access to it. So what are the next dominoes as you see them? Um, right. So right now there are 30 states that have some kind of private school choice or ESA program. But you're right. It's only about a last this current school year. It's very small. It's about uh, 700,000 kids, which is about one percent of all K-12 students, 10 percent of um, private school students. Now, we now next year we'll have six states that have universal ESAs. So that's going to be a lot more kids very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what we'll see, first of all, is we have to figure I'm very I've been thinking a lot about this. These states that are getting these big programs have to move very quickly to implement them and make sure that they are really serving the kids that they're designed to serve, that they're user friendly, that they're listening to parents, that providers and parents are being paired, that parents are being given good information, providers are getting paid promptly. All of this, this is going to be hard, hard work. This is not, this is not like a silver bullet that's going to solve all of our problems in, in, um, in a short time. I will say then the next, you know, dominoes, we Florida has more children than the other five states with universal school choice combined. Wow, so yeah. Florida is amazing. So I do think we'll see some more um, dominoes in terms of states falling. Right now, there is a huge battle going on in Texas about whether to adopt a $10,000 ESA. The governor is determined to do it. Interestingly, the main opponents are rural Republicans um, who back their public schools. Okay. Um, it's gotten kind of nasty down there. So at, over time, I think what we'll see is programs growing where they exist and new states adding, um, becoming part of the school choice roster. And also, I think what we'll see is in states with limited programs. So Indiana has a voucher program and an ESA that's limited to kids with disabilities. Those programs will expand and include more and more families. I just don't think there's any putting the you can't really put the genie back in the bottle here. Um, Milton Friedman, who was probably the first person to propose vouchers in the 1950s, yeah. he actually said in his article, eventually one state will make this universal and then everything will change. So mm. I think that's what we've seen, but remarkably all at once. We haven't didn't have one state make it universal. We had six states in six months make it universal. That is momentum to say the very least. Um, there is a, a book called The Case for Parental Choice. It's a collection of essays by John E. Coons, which you and your husband edited. I want to talk to you about that right after this break, because Coons was a pioneer in the school choice movement, and we'll get to why his ideas are so important right after this. From Affirm Films comes Big George Foreman, the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world. Based on a true story of one of the greatest comebacks of all time and the transformational power 
of Second Chances. Big George Foreman, starring Chris Davis and Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters beginning April 28th. For tickets and showtimes, go to BigGeorgeForeman.movie. Okay, Nicole, this book, The Case for Parental Choice. I mean, it doesn't seem like you'd have to make a case for parental choice. It seems to me as a parent uh, very obvious, but obviously we, we're at that place in society. So tell us about this 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 writer, John E. Coons. You and your uh, husband edited this book. What are his ideas and what are they rooted in? So in order to understand Jack... You have to understand that. So he's nine, he's about to turn 94 mm. um, and he has been making uh, the case for parental choice from uh, an equality and parent dignity perspective um, since the 60s. Mm. He argued um, that instead of having supplemental funding for uh, kids with Title I funding for tutoring and other things for low income kids through the public schools, he argued for vouchers in the 60s. Um, he marched at Selma. He is an old civil rights advocate, but his civil rights soul, heart and soul was brought to, brought him to this place about parental choice. And his case for parental choice, I think is really, really important. And it be, in, for two reasons. One, it's the case that's winning the day right now. And two, it's deeply rooted in human dignity, parents, uh, treating parents equally. A lot of times, historically, I think people in the parental choice movement, maybe including myself, would say we need this to fix, as you mentioned, you no, know, the, the the kids that aren't being served well in urban public schools. We need test scores to go up. We need to save these kids, and therefore, for for sort of efficiency reasons. And Jack's argument has always been, no, no, no. What we need to do is empower parents because they know they're children better and love them more than anybody mm. else in the world. And because they are systematically disenfranchised by an education bureaucracy that doesn't take their concerns seriously and tells them over and over again, especially if you're poor, that the bureaucrats, the teachers know better than the parents. Jack has a, a beautiful image in an essay reproduced in this book called School Choices, Simple Justice. He, he says that especially for the for low-income families, Children are the tapestries of their parents. They are they the, what the parents pour themselves into, and they're the they are the um, what the parents give the world in many ways is the child. And so it's just deeply unjust to say to the parents, "We know better than you do. You don't have the right to take control over your kid's education." And so it's been fun to work on this book with Jack. Uh, because these ideas that he's been talking about since the 60s. Interestingly, Jack has been writing about this since the 60s. In a 1978 book called Education by Choice with Steve Sugarman, he was the first person to propose an ESA. He called it a divisible voucher. That was 12 years before the first modern voucher program was enacted. Wow. So it's been a lot of fun. I actually just talked to Jack. He won a, the book won an award from Notre Dame. So I, it's been a treat to get to know him. He's a beautiful soul. I will say he does not like universal school choice because he doesn't think that rich people should have money. He's an old fashioned kind of liberal. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to write something about school choice that you're not going to like. And I'm like, Jack, you can write whatever you want. You're 93 years old. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's merit to what he says as well. I mean, a lot of this, you know, can be means tested, I think. And, so uh, I, 
all I really care about is parental choice. And however it manifests itself, whether it's universal or whether it's means tested or whatever, it's so important. I, I think what you've described there, this idea that that somehow teachers and, and mostly you, you mentioned administrative bloat and, and just administrators and unions um, think that they know what's best and they couldn't, they may love our kids. They couldn't possibly love them more or as even as much as the parents love them. It's it just, to me, it's, 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 it's crazy talk to suggest that you love my kids the way I do. No, 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 no. I've raised them from the, from the moment they entered the world. So it's just, it's almost strange to me to hear people use that kind of language and also wield that, well, I have a degree power, wield that, you know, I know best because I've studied this my whole life. Well, a lot of people study a lot of things and that doesn't necessarily make them the expert in your child. So um, all of this is so important. Again, the book is, you've gotten me so curious to read more of it. The Case for Parental Choice, a collection of essays by John E. Coons, which you, Nicole, and your husband have edited. And um, I hope people will investigate. And I, I hope you're right that this is a revolution beginning because it's long overdue. Nicole, thank you so much for your Thanks time. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. This has been Sideline Sanity. As always, be brave and do good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.